And as soon as I hit record, strawberry short face. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good one, though. I'll, uh, Sorry, my, man. My kids will like that. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's Unsportsmanlike Convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. All right, all right. It's been a couple weeks. We are back at it. I'm back in the beautiful country of Canada, back home. Um, Pep is joining me from his kitchen. Pep, how we doing? We, uh, we're doing fine, pal. We're uh, self-isolating and uh, socially distancing uh, from one another. That is correct. We are doing our part. Um, I am obligated to, for uh, two weeks, to self-isolate after being away on vacation in Mexico. So my family and I are uh, in the house. Um, we're able to go out for walks, but uh, you know we avoid people and... Um, you know, stores and restaurants, all that kind of stuff. Um, we avoid those. We've been fortunate enough to have some family and friends who have uh, been able to pick up some groceries and anything we need. Uh, so we're not going to those stores and bringing anything we possibly have. Knock on wood, everything's been uh, been good so far. Uh, my daughter has her yearly bout of strep, although she handles it very well. So we're doing a telephone doctor appointment on Monday, which will be interesting. Uh, but other than that, it's um, it's dealing with cabin fever. So getting the yeah. chance to uh, discuss uh, sports and current events with you on the UC is uh, is very much welcomed. For sure. And look, you know, for our listeners, like it's pretty simple. You know, you, you, social distancing is you stay four to six meters from the person beside you. Self isolation. You're at home with no symptoms. That you're just doing your part as per your uh, boss, your employer's uh, request. And then isolation is if you have symptoms, you don't leave the house. So just, uh, you know, if, you, if you're hearing these terms online and you're not sure exactly what they mean or the difference between them, that's what it means. If you're in isolation, you have symptoms, don't friggin' leave your house. And uh, it's not for people like Brock and I who are, you know, uh, you know slightly less than middle age, <laughs> but we we're okay with if we catch it, we'll likely be okay. It's it's our parents, it's your parents, it's the vulnerable in in society. So that's why stay home, enjoy the UC. Okay, we got fifth we got 50 podcasts you can listen to, folks. Right? Yeah, we're pretty darn close. Actually, I got to check that out. Cuz we uh, got, we're close. We might be like 49 now. Well, you know, that's 50 hours of of you know, I'd say grade A entertainment. Yeah, we would say that. Um, uh, we would say that maybe maybe grade B, <laughs> but or A, A or B. And actually, we started off our episodes were way longer than an hour, so you probably have more than a hundred hours there of, uh, or fifty hours of recording because we go we had a tendency of going a little long. We're at forty eight right now. This is episode forty nine, so we're one you got more two way. work weeks. Yay! I think you know what I say. <laughs> Episode 50 is the live episode. Oh, we've yet to do a live episode, folks. And uh, is episode 50 next week? No. Yeah. This one will be 49. Oh, I like it. I like it. We do it live. We bring on some, well, we'll talk about that. Whether we do it live, like sort of a virtual live, or we have live guests, or we will meet in person. Unlikely. We'll we'll see how it goes and how the COVID updates 
uh, how they uh, how they yeah. turn out in the next couple of days, I guess. Yeah, and I don't I, honestly, I don't anticipate us being able to get uh, in person. And even if yeah. they were like, "Yeah, sure, you can kind of do it," or you want to risk it, I just it's the the bigger picture here is way more important than uh, us getting together. Technology, we're very fortunate to have the technology that we have, so we can you know group chat on the Facebook Messenger and have all our guests come in that way. We can have it on Instagram. We can do it a Facebook Live if we want to. We can figure that out the technology side of it. And we can have a live recorded episode, which means that we will record it live. People can submit questions, uh, make comments, uh, and our guests would also be live as well. But we can all do that from the confines of our own homes. And that's probably the safest bet because I don't think that this virus thing will be over anytime soon. And I would rather play it safe and say, you know what, keep me in my house for longer. Let's just make sure we get to where we need to be from a, a, a humanity standpoint. Yeah. And look, I got to tell you, the faster we flatten this curve by flattening the curve, it just means less and less cases, reported cases on a daily basis, the sooner we can all get back to normal life. And for me, normal life is going to work and being with the public and working in a gym and not being able to work out. I've had to now I've had to sort of create my own workouts at home using some, you know, pretty rudimentary pieces of equipment. Uh, but I will I will make do. And I'm actually considering doing a, a live workouts, which I may uh, pick your brain for, Brock, uh, in terms of technology. Maybe I can use your space, yeah. uh, bring some of my equipment over and do a live workout and people can hop on and watch me and, and do it with me if they want. So uh, I'm going to try and piece that out in the next week or two. And uh, it's all free. I'm not going to charge anybody. And if it's something you like, maybe I can do it uh, down the road for a fee. But, you know, while we're in these tough times, let's uh, let's offer up some, uh, some freebies and uh, get a workout. That's one thing I will say to everybody out there. It, it seems like, at least in our area, everybody is coming together. There's, uh, you know, there's support from a variety of different places. There's, you know, everybody's looking out for the people who are vulnerable, uh, you know, even from homeless shelters. And they, they aren't able to self-isolate, but they're trying to figure something out there. There's, you know, uh, you know, the banks have come through and, and, you know, deferred payments and stuff. There's, you know, the government is, has been doing a lot of very good things to help our, uh, us as a, as the public. And, um, you know, it hasn't gone unnoticed. And I just hope that, uh, I, I just hope everything works out and we can kind of come through this stronger than we went in. Um, you know, positive side of things. I've seen a lot of uh, cases where, um, you know, in Italy, Italy's been on lockdown for a couple of weeks now. And, it, you know, in retrospect, it really hasn't been that long. But the quality of some of the environmental areas in Italy has been really, um, really dramatically changed. So from the water in Italy in um, uh, is it Venice, Venice, yeah, in Venice, you know, they have all the channels and there's dolphins that are swimming there. The water is clear. You can see the fishes. And I've been there. And there wasn't, a, there wasn't a chance you could see anything in that water. It was very, very murky, um, almost like a, a thick substance. It didn't even look like water because it had so much stuff in it. And the fact that it's already clear and you can see um, you know, nature in it is amazing. So hopefully from a, a side effect after all this is that we, we see the power that the environment has of coming back. And if we just kind of scale back maybe some of the usage we're doing some you know we don't have to be driving all the time you don't have to be you know on ferries and and you know polluting 
as much as we do. And I think we're really going to see the effects on the environment with these lockdown measures across the world. And who knows what comes from that? Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, uh, you know, there's a silver lining. Unfortunately, you know, this this virus has taken so many lives in Italy and now Spain, uh, Iran, some of these countries that were just unprepared for it, but it, they were hit first because it's just a proximity to China yeah. and some of the some of the first places where the virus really struck. I think these these countries are really suffering, but uh, you know, Canada, we're, we're in for a wave. Like we're let's not be naive. We're in for a, we're gonna we're about two months behind those countries, so we're in for a wave. We got to be prepared for it by self isolating so that it doesn't spiral out of control like it has in Italy. There's it's it's really uh, it's really targeting the older older demographic and the smokers uh, and you know smoking and it's an older population in Italy and smoking is a big deal over there. I mean it's just it's yeah. part of the culture. So and then same thing in China. You know we're looking at if you look at the the death toll, it's it's older men who smoke. So it, it targets a certain demographic a lot worse than uh, than others. So. Anyway, well, this is a sports show, and we, we do want to tie in some of the social issues with coronavirus with sports. And frankly, it, it shut down every sport. Like, there are no sports right now. The last sport I saw on TV that was live, I think, was the Briar. Really, eh? Really? It's, it's crazy. I mean, this is the first you know, time where every sport, every major sport, well, even minor sports at this point, have all halted at once across the world. And that's, you know, that's something that's never been done before, at least in my memory. I guess I would assume during the war there was four sports stoppages, but that's because most of the athletes were being picked off to go and, and defend their countries. Now this is, you know, a whole different one. We've seen strikes. We've seen holdouts. We've seen seasons ending for certain sports, but never all of them at the same time. And it's... Uh, you know, it's eerie to a point, but it also puts sports into perspective a little bit. You know, we put a lot of emphasis on these players and coaches and uh, the money they bring in, the money we're playing, we're paying these these players. And then, you know, if ever somebody was having that argument of like, why are we paying these athletes so much money, but like the frontline nurses and doctors aren't getting as much as them, this is playing right into their argument. Like this, the world has shut down. The world is coming together to fight this virus, and we're on. We're in a pandemic, and the athletes aren't important. It's it's really they're irrelevant at this point. It's the frontline workers that are the ones that are going to save everybody. Not only are they irrelevant when it comes to this, not and I, maybe irrelevant is a strong word, but like insignificant when it comes to the impact or or attacking this virus. But like now they're vulnerable. Now they're getting the virus because of their travels and because of you know some of the cities that they played in were actual hotspots for the virus. Yeah. So we're seeing coaches and play big name people. And you, you, you have a list of a couple of names, I think, don't you? Well, I just, I mean, Kevin Durant is one of the biggest names in the NBA that has it. There's a few of them now. And we obviously know, uh, uh was, is it Goddard? Uh, who put his hands all over the mic? He was the first NBA player to get it with the jazz. Oh, Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert. Gobert yeah. Um, but there's also there's an Ottawa Senator player, so a hockey player has it. Now he's unnamed at this point. Um, and then just before coming on, we heard that uh, uh, the first NFL person had it, and that was Sean Payton, the, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Obviously in Canada, our first lady has it. So, um, you know, we're not shocked by this thing uh, being passed around. And, um, you know, again, it's, it's we just a lot of youth – 
millennials, if you will, seem to not be taking it. I see all the, the clips of Miami <laughs> Beach being packed and, and hearing their comments about, like, they're telling us to go home, but it's my spring break. I'm going to live it up. And, like, there's just – there's it's it's unfortunate. And you talk about swings, and I feel like there's a swing coming in that sort of demographic down in the States. But uh, hopefully, you know, we can – surpass that but uh yeah so they're they're getting affected these major sports and uh you know time will tell what uh what comes of it i know that you know the ncaa has taken uh measures to to give uh uh an extra year of eligibility to any of the athletes who were affected for this last one which is great because amateur athletes some of these guys only have one one shot to sort of prove and and maybe have a, a a chance at playing professionally so getting uh, that taken away from them would be really bad. The fact they're given another eligibility year is fantastic. Um, you know, there's a, I don't know if you saw, who was it? Uh, there was a basketball player who had suggested a format for the NBA when they come back to recoup and get like the, 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 uh, the fans back into it. But it, it very much kind of mirrored a, a March Madness sort of feel. Did you see that? I, I didn't see that, no. All right. Well, we'll discuss that later because I don't have the details. So if I go too far into it, it it uh, might lose some of its uh, stuff. When we take a break, I'll research it. And I'll, I'll come back and give you the actual details. But it was it was actually quite interesting. And it was talked about, you know, like playing in uh, football stadiums. And, uh, again, have it's almost like a 2018 playoff or something. There's a play-in, but then it would be 28 teams. It would be like a best of three for the first round. And he even went to, like, the schedules, so it wouldn't be too much longer. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be so long that it would affect next season. And hey. Anyway, all this kind of stuff. If, it, if these pro leagues wanted the perfect crash test dummy season to try out some new playoff formats because they've been discussing this in hockey in basketball in baseball and now in football and football just actually ratified their cba and football is making a change to their playoffs so now is the time in some of these leagues to try some something new you're coming back potentially i mean again it's a big ass big question mark and big asterisks but potentially coming back to a shortened season Now's the time to try something funky for your playoffs because when you come back from the NHL, there's so many bubble teams that may not be able to play out their season and try to get themselves in the playoffs. That's not fair to them. They haven't had a chance to play the full season. So you have a tournament like this in hockey even. I think it's. I think it could open up some wild possibilities, but it, it all depends on when we can get back to normal life. And I don't see these leagues re- recovering from this this year. I think. I think it's done. I think we're done. I think uh, I think we're looking at next year for some of these leagues. Now, you know, the talk initially was to play in empty stadiums, but what do you? What message are you sending? The, the, the players are still got to play with each other and to play against each other, and they risk catching it and giving it to other players and staff. So yep. it really defeats the purpose. I mean, I get I get not having a, a stadium full of you know fifteen thousand fans in a hockey hockey stadium. Him, but still, the play, you're, you're telling the players we don't really care about you. Just go out and play each other. So good on the leagues to cancel the. Uh, I don't know if UFC's um, playing. Uh, I just you, while I have you, the, yeah, I just found it. It was a uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh yeah, yeah, for the Brooklyn Nets. What yeah. about him? So it was his plan, 
and now I think he gives the credit to somebody else later. But the uh, his idea is that the basically the bottom four teams playing a three game series wild card weekend that would cut the field from thirty to twenty eight. The top four teams, currently the Bucks, the Raptors, Lakers, and Clippers, all get a first round bye. The first round involving teams seated five to twenty eight. Played across five-game series, cut the total field to 16 teams, including the four teams that were given the first round by. All remaining rounds are played as best-of-seven series, including the final series. And so he goes on. He's got the whole bracket. Um, he's like, I think that we're looking at a 28-team tournament. Top four team, four seeds get a bye. Um, the bottom four have a neutral site play-in game, March Madness style, in a best-of-three. Then the round of 28 is best-of-five. And it basically takes them all down. He's like, we can even play a neutral site, uh, the play-in series, uh, in like a football arena, like a national champion, and try and recoup some revenue and different things like that. Anyway, okay, it, uh, okay, yeah, it went right down to you know the the but, time frames and and uh, the uh, chartered flights being fine. And anyway, it uh, it's interesting. Twenty? Why twenty eight? There's more than twenty eight teams in the NBA. Uh, well, because if you do, it's thirty, right? There's thirty I, teams I in the so. NBA. Yeah. But but thirty, if you're doing a thirty in a bracket style, it doesn't come out even. So, so twenty eight tell does. the last two teams in each division you don't make it. Four teams out of out of thirty. No, the four te- the bottom four teams, uh, the 27, 28, 29th, and thirtieth all have a play in series. So they play a March Madness style best of three to get into those last ones. <laughs> I like it. And then you play yeah, do it. Yeah, I, that that would get me to watch it. You know what I mean? Like Adam Silver's uh, forward-thinking commissioner, he, I could see him pull. I, w- I could see him pulling the trigger on this. Why not? It's fun. He's already showed he's not scared to make changes to the NBA All-Star Game. Uh, he's proposed some wild stuff for the midway point doing a tournament. And hey, you know he goes on. It. He's like, my estimation is the five-game tune-up takes two weeks. The play-in is a week max. The extra round is seven to ten days. That way, season does not go into August or anything crazy that affects next season too. Fans will go crazy for the last four in the neutral site tournament. He says, considering the fact that we charter, I don't think it's as difficult as you think. That's why the best of three would be football stadium neutral site to decrease travel, and the best of five would have to be like a two-two-one to decrease the travel. You know, like whatever. It's all kind of there. But if you had the the the, the bottom four in a, that sort of tournament, you say, look, it's all happening at, you know, Cowboy Stadium. You know, for a weekend, it's one game, and then boom, the next game's there, and then tomorrow you got two more, whatever it is. I think, I think that would that would work. I think it would be it would, very interesting. It, it's wishful thinking. I mean, it's we're we're talking about April, mid April is when usually the NBA season ends, late mid to late April. They're not the Americans are in trouble, man, with this with this virus. There, yeah, there's a true. huge, it's a huge deal right now. So that's wishful thinking. You get into like mid May, and then you start thinking about NBA playoffs starting. You know, that's a tricky business. So anyway, I, you know, it's, I did want to ask you, is the UFC continuing? Are they the, the hand to hand combat sports stuff? Have they, are they taking a break? I know WWE and I know you're not a big WWE fan, but they've been uh, recording their live raw and uh, SmackDown shows with no fans. So just the ring. And then the three guys, the, the, the three commentator guys, it's, it's actually pretty cool. Um, but then again, you know, you got the two guys in the ring, basically mauling each other i'm assuming they're tested beforehand all that stuff i would imagine but um I, could you see boxing and ufc doing that for one just one mano a mano or womano a womano whatever like could you see that happening uh no i don't think so like uh the ufc and those 
wrestling is like, hey, are you going to suspend the <clears throat> reruns of Inspector Gadget on TV? No, during this time, because people want to watch that. Wrestling's that kind of like cheesy entertainment in my books. But UFC and boxing, those are real sports. You got They have to... For whoa, credibility, whoa, 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 they have whoa, to. Whoa, I was wondering what whoa, took you so long whoa. to come back. They need to follow suit with the rest of the big sports. <laughs> I'm just saying. We should go to break. <laughs> we should go to break. You want a sport? My The fifth sport, the major sport that I love to watch, and it starts April 1st. This one is not being canceled, not anything, because it's already been filmed, I guess, is uh, on April 1st is the new season of the MTV The Challenge. Oh, love that show. I might as well. I got to see if I can bet on that because that's a mental game. That's a physical game. It's uh, some of the stuff they do. They've had professional athletes on there and can't do what they're doing. Like, it's just the stuff they ask them to do is crazy. Anyway, that starts April 1st. So that's going to be my thing. That and marble racing, I guess, is what we saw on Facebook. Hey, yes, guy. <laughs> Which really, if I had money on the blue one or the yellow one and I was watching it intently, I was right into it. Like, I watched that oh, whole yeah. video start to finish. See who's going to come back. If you guys want to see that video, I posted it on Brock and Pep's uh, Unsportsmanlike Convo Facebook page and the Pep Talk page on Facebook. Feel free to subscribe, and we'll uh, we'll gladly add you to the group. Uh, we post a lot of questions, polls, and videos, and all kinds of fun stuff, generally related to sports. But since sports is on hiatus, uh, I found a marble race, and clearly there was marbles that were going downhill. Kind of cool. I thought the, the the initial marble that started in in first was like I thought just the laws of physics that marble's going to win because it's not like someone's r- driving those marbles. Like it's it's awesome. You know, you know what we should do? We'll start a, a a gambling site of marbles. So you guys, everybody can pick in the marble. We'll show the marble, the weight, whatever, and then we're going to have the thing, and we'll live stream it. And whoever wins, we'll have house money. We need wow. some sort of entertainment. That just took a turn. I don't even know if that's legal. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> it's not legal at all. <laughs> next week for uh, episode 50, we're looking at doing a live show. Um, so we're looking to do Thursday at 7.30. So watch our website and our website, our Facebook page, Instagram page for updates on that. And uh, we'll be looking for guests. So we'll pick out uh, which guests we want to have on. And uh, the other thing we talked about, and a lot of people had really good feedback when we talked about, look... All the sports are on hiatus right now. There's a lot of people just at home, kind of bored. This might be a real good opportunity for us to expand and say, you know what, let's reach out to some A-lister athletes and interview them. (laughs) And so we got some real good feedback, and uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to start reaching out to them all and just see who comes back to us. And if we can land one of them, we'll we'll post it on our our Facebook page, and we'll make sure that our, our viewers have a chance to maybe submit a good question that they want us to ask them. And um, who knows? You know, maybe we can uh, we can get a big Shaq or uh, or big Chuck on the uh, on the uh, on the podcast. It'd be amazing. Well, listen, Imagine both of them I, just be fighting each other. I think I might. I don't know if I can, if I got this kind of pull anymore, but I might be able to get Leo Routens on, and uh, that would be pretty cool. He could talk Raptors. He could talk about. He's met all those guys. We can. He might have stories about Shaq, and we can ask him who he's met and who his favorite guy is. Who who might be the the toughest guy to interview, kind of thing. And he might have some interesting feedback. He's been hey. doing the Raptors since their inception. He was. I actually just watched. They've been playing old Raptor games on ESPN Classic, and or TSN Classic, and. Game one was the first home game was at the uh, Sky Dome. It wasn't even the Air Canada Center. Right. It was the the Nets and the Raptors in their first first regular season home game, and Leo was doing the game. So he's been with them for, from 1995 to now. 
He's seen a lot. Leo be good. I mean, he's yeah. not. Uh, he's not Shaq. Come on, Charles. Come on, Charles. Come give me a big fat butt, there, oh, Charles. Unbelievable. <laughs> Oh, that would be amazing. Wow. Take us to break in Shaq's voice. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we're going to talk about some uh, NBA uh, for you to see. Uh, Charles, 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 Charles. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, All right. Strawberry short face. Oh, strawberry short face. Did you just call me that? All right. We just had a break and I just complained about the fact that I shaved my beard and I'm like, I think my face is too short. And he just went the whole thing said, you know what? Your face is fine, pal. You look good. It's great. Whatever. And as soon as I hit record, strawberry short face. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good one though. I'll, uh, Sorry, my, man. <laughs> my kids will like that. Okay. So NFL free agency has started. Obviously there's a few big names out there. There's still some big names that have not been picked up yet. Let's just right off the top, Pep, let's go with what your top five moves are. I have them written down here if you need me to remind you what your top five are, but I have them. Do you remember them? Well, Tom Tom Brady has to be number one, and for many reasons. Number one, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I just didn't see him making that move. And when, you know, that day that it actually happened in the morning, you know, he announced he wasn't coming back. Everyone's freaking out. Speculation, where is he going to go? And then, you know, as the day went on, it the, the, the place that made the most sense talent wise offensive line wise was tampa bay like they're they have everything to get to be successful except a consistent quarterback and you know that's that's we're talking to you Jameis winston who who had a, a, a you know from a production standpoint had a good season his stats were a little wonky when it came to interceptions but you know we're 33 touchdowns threw for good yardage was yep. effective had that uh had that just shootout in LA against the Rams uh mid-season like he showed signs but just it was it's always been consistency with him now they're going to bring the goat he can throw deep he can throw short so those are the positives of that move plus they're changing their uniforms which I'm looking forward to and I'm praying to the lord above that they go back to the creamsicles or some some form of that orangey color with the with yeah. the buckle Bruce. Can you imagine Tom Brady in that? That's gonna look amazing. But I like that. I think that's that's the biggest move in, in football, and it has to be because Brady's been the best quarterback for the last twenty years, and uh, you know now Tampa Bay has him. And uh, what are you thought? Like, what are your thoughts on on the move? I mean, I have an I I have my own thoughts about the coach coaching uh, how that relationship's gonna be, but. The move itself, are you excited? Is it is it much ado about nothing? We're talking about a 40-year-old quarterback, you know? When you're talking about a guy who's got six Super Bowls as a player, um, it, it's not a lot to do about nothing. Uh, as much as I've never been a big Brady supporter, Pat supporter, I have been very intrigued <clears throat> by the idea of having Brady and Belichick split up. And I wanted to kind of see it was a whole chicken and the egg, cart and the horse. Uh, well, no, cart and the horse. You know which one comes first. Anyway, the uh, chicken and the egg <laughs> is, uh, you know, which is Brady a uh, product of the system or is Belichick's success in that system a product of the fact that you have a quarterback who can deliver and uh, run that system properly? So, the questions that we were always going to have, and if they had stayed together until retirement and moved on, we would never know uh, until, I guess, until Brady retired and somebody else came in. You say, how do they do? But now Brady's actually going to have a chance to do this with another team, and I'm very intrigued to see how that goes. 
Um, that's probably going to be my, my biggest focus this year is I really want to see how they do it. Now, Brady going to the Bucs, I didn't have that on my radar at all. I was thinking more Colts, uh, Chargers. Um, I thought maybe the Raiders, if they could throw enough money at them and whatever, but I just didn't think they had a supporting cast. The Bucs really kind of fell through the cracks in terms of the the team structure that they have there. And, you know, if nothing else, I think – Kudos to to Brady and and his team to really evaluate which organization was best suited and to compete with Brady adding that final piece. And I think that Tampa Bay fits in perfect because they've been in games and they have not had the consistent quarterback play. They have guys that could throw for a lot, but they also turn the ball over. So it was kind of like a a 50-50 type thing, and you had to had to put up 50 points because you're turning the ball over so much. With Brady, if you can manage the game a little bit better, they were able to run the ball still fairly well. Their old line is decent, but their defense is very good. I think it's just uh, I think it's a perfect fit when you look at it, and um, you know, I'm curious to see what happens. When they lost Derek Brooks to retirement, <laughs> I thought they just never replaced that guy's leadership, and that's been the problem in Tampa Bay over the last – uh, seven, eight, nine years up aside from those horrific uniforms. Um, it's been, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm stuck on you. Look, man, I'm stuck on uniforms. Okay. I, I'm excited that Atlanta is going to have a new uniform and I'm excited that, uh, um, Tampa Bay and the Cleveland Browns have a new uniforms this year, but that's been the problem in Tampa, just lack of leadership. Um, you know, and, and just sort of a leth- lethargic offense, with an inconsistent quarterback. So I'm excited to see Tom Brady bring that star power to Tampa. I don't remember the last star they had Warren Sapp, maybe like the last true star that played in Tampa Bay, the guy that got like, we were talking about Mount Rushmore of players, like who for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Mike Allstat, Sapp would be there for sure. Uh, John Lynch wasn't as, uh, outgoing, like Sap was really a character, a polarizing figure sort of thing. Brady uh, demands a lot of attention. Uh, uh, Lynch just wasn't uh, a guy that wanted a lot of that attention. He was a very good player, but didn't fall in that category. Anyway, yada yada. Yes, yeah. If they get new uniforms, and they stop looking like the old Ottawa Renegade. Uh, yeah, Renegades or no? Before the Rough Riders, when they went to the gold helmets oh. and whatever. Oh, terrible. Um, you know, yeah. I'd love to see them go back. I'm curious now. Who do you think? is going to be better, the Bucks or the Patriots this season? Oh, that's a tough question, man. That's a tough question. You know, I, I don't think the Patriots are going to fall off the face of the earth with, with Belichick there. I think that they they may not skip a beat because their defense was number one in the NFL last year. So, right. you know, people are don't underestimate what Bill Belichick can do with uh, the kid that's in, in camp that was a backup last year, Stitham. Stitham. Yeah, He's, yeah. Uh, he knows the system. They like him. Uh, we've seen Brady... You know, uh, well, sorry, we've seen Belichick take a Patriots team with Matt Castle and win 10 games that year. You know, he, they've had success. Garoppolo, when he's replaced Brady, uh, Brissett was two and two when he replaced Brady that one year. Uh, I think he was suspended. Um, we're like, there's guys that have come in and played well. You know who I thought he was going to go to? I thought. Uh, there was a whisper of the Niners, and I thought, you know what? I could see that happening because I think he's a Bay Area kid from out there. And San Francisco is another team that is built and obviously did proven very well that their team is ready to go. They just need a guy who can make decisions. I mean, not only at the quarterback position, but they need a guy at the offensive coordinator position. I think a Brady who goes into a situation like that, um, 
may command a little bit more respect from the offensive coordinator where he'd be like, why am I throwing this ball? Run the damn thing until they stop us. You know, somebody who can speak up and, and say, you know, let's in tune with that team. And I could see that happening. And then I thought, oh, it'd be interesting if um, Garoppolo ended up back in New England after all said and done and yada, yada. It never happened, but I thought that would be a good spot for him. I posted on our page, you know, uh, would you make that deal? You know, bring Garoppolo back to New England and you bring the GOAT back to uh, San Francisco and, you know, their window is whatever two, three years, Brady thinks he can play five years. You know, you go for it now. You win a Super Bowl, most likely, if Brady goes to San Francisco with that defense, And although they lost Buckner. But, you know, I would have pulled the trigger. Yeah, I think... George Kittle and Tom Brady? Yeah, I think, uh, again, he, from a, a longevity standpoint, too, like San Francisco's run game is so good that a guy like Garoppolo can win a game by throwing seven times in a game you want longevity in terms of a career and saying you know what i'm trying to stretch out these last five years in in new england you throw the ball really quickly so there's no chance of getting hit in san francisco you turn and hand the ball off and just stand there well that's a perfect segue to the the one last thing i want to talk about with tom brady and that's his fit with bruce arians now uh you know i'm not watching bruce arians with a microscope but i have followed his career uh, largely by default because he was the Steelers offensive right. coordinator for a long time. But he did coach Peyton Manning uh, when Manning first came in the league. And Manning threw a lot of interceptions, but he had uh, some success too. When I think about Bruce Arians, I think about a quarterback in his system that has to drop back five steps or seven steps. And when Manning Manning's first uh, year and a half in the NFL he was dropping back and getting killed. So he was, yes, he was throwing TDs, but he was also throwing equal amount of interceptions. In Pittsburgh, the fans and the city and the media were clamoring to get rid of Bruce Arians because Ben Roethlisberger was dropping back and getting killed. And there was talk of like, we got to get rid of this guy. Our quarterback's not going to last another two years because the system demands that the quarterback, a lot of play action, a lot of five-step drops, seven-step drops, and the quarterback is just exposed because Bruce Arians likes to go down the field with the ball. Not this West Coast style that Brady's used to. We saw that with Carson Palmer in Arizona. It didn't work. He's not a seven-step drop quarterback. So can Arians adjust his style of play to what Brady's um, notorious for, which is holding the ball for two seconds and getting rid of it? And on the flip side, can Brady drop back? Can Brady take a hit or two? Because he's going to take some hits playing in the NFC South, I believe is that division. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to take some hits. So you play in uh, uh, New Orleans Saints who like to blitz, who have great edge rushers. You know, We're going to see just what kind of mobility or lack of that Tom has. And that's just going to be a product of playing in Bruce Arians' system. That being said, Bruce likes to go down the field and they've got the horses. O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, Mike Evans, the other kid on the other side, uh, Godwin. Godwin, Chris Godwin, yeah. Hey, listen, those are some bonafide Scott players. Scott Miller's a, a speedster too, yeah. And people want to go play there. People are now calling Tampa Bay saying, hey, I'm, I'm here for the take and come get me. Those names, they've yet to be announced, but there are people, the report I read was that players are calling Tampa Bay to say, I want to go play there. So now they're going to start drawing some names. They've got some money to spend. Hey. So yeah, we have spent a lot of we spent a long time here on Tom. 
but yeah, well, uh, that was my story number one. And everything trickles down from him. So it'll be interesting. You know, I think that Tom Brady has had the conversation. Tom and his team has had these conversations with Bruce and the Buccaneers organization. So I think both sides are probably pretty clear on how they expect the system to be run, how they expect and what they expect out of, of Brady himself when he's on the field. Um, I think, you know, again, Brady is 40-whatever. He brings 20-plus years in the league, six Super Bowl rings. Nine Nine Super Bowl appearances. appearances. So he's essentially a coach that's still playing the game or should be, and I think that's how he is. So I believe that those conversations have all been had, and I would not be surprised if you see the Tampa Bay offense be more along the lines of what Brady's used to be doing. And, um, you know, Aaron's, his philosophy changes a bit because Brady is not going to be taking a lot of hits. If he goes back and he takes a couple of hits and it's that system will be changed quickly. They have decent alignment, but I don't see this isn't an all-star offensive lineman, uh, offensive line right now. So there's some help there. They're running backs, you know, Ronald Jones is their main guy. That's, you know, he's decent, but this isn't a 49ers type run game either. So, uh, you know, I think you're going to see a big Brady fingerprint on this offense moving forward. Anyway, I'd like to see Melvin Gordon maybe uh, maybe have a sniff there. Melvin Gordon, uh, you know, now we know Todd Gurley's released too. Somebody, those kind of things, those guys are going to be out there and they're going to take, um, I, you know, I don't want to say a pay cut, but they're going to want to be, these guys are probably part of the ones that are calling Tampa to say, you know what? I want in because you don't have a starter. That's a bonafide number one, you know, get me in there. Hey, how about, how about a deal for, uh, you know, a Ronald Jones and a draft pick for Levy on bell. If the money works, wouldn't Levy on bell be a nice fit there. Uh, pass catching, receiving uh, running back. Uh, you know, how many guys did Birdie throw to over the course of the last 20 years? So the no-name guys, J.R. Redmond and uh, Deion Lewis and all these guys, the guys that Brady made names for. Imagine Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, Matt, yeah, could be. I mean, Good you fit. can give that up, but again, there's Melvin Gordon and, and Todd Gurley are not, nobody to slouch about. So we'll see. No. Anyway, Tampa Bay is not done moving, I, don't, I wouldn't say, but they are – very much. I think I saw the odds right now are fifteen to one for Super Bowl champs. Pats are sure. eighteen to one. Um, so uh, let's see what happens. Okay, so that's our number one. Number two, we both have the same number two. Is the trade uh, between the Houston Texans and the Arizona Cardinals sending DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals uh, for David Johnson and I think a, a low pick or something. Um, very lopsided in terms of value of what these teams are getting back. Now, I know Hopkins wants a, a big-time deal, so there's going to be that coming down the pipe that Arizona is aware of. Uh, but I guess there's also a little bit of drama that happened with a couple meetings between Hopkins and uh, uh, Bill O'Brien. So I think that also festered a bit and, and prompted this trade to happen. But, hey, if I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan, which I'm not, and I don't think there's a whole lot of them out there, uh, Kyler Murray, I'm kidding, Arizona. You have plenty of fans down there. It's a great stadium. Uh, but Kyler Murray and Larry Fitzgerald got to be super pumped that this sure. Hawking kid is coming in. And I think that's uh, their offense is going to be very fun to watch, I think. Sure. David Johnson hasn't been able to stay on the field. So that's number one in this deal. He's been hurt often. Yep. Number two, they didn't fetch that high a draft pick. And if you 
look at what Buffalo received or what Buffalo gave up for Stefan Diggs, a first round pick. I mean, I don't know where you compare Stefan Diggs to DeAndre Hopkins. It's very lopsided. But like you mentioned, there was a situation with uh, Bill O'Brien. Uh, Michael, Michael Irvin reported on the NFL Network that he had a conversation with DeAndre Hopkins and how this, how all, how all this sort of transpired. And I, I may be paraphrasing, but from what I gathered, Bill O'Brien sat Hopkins in. I guess Hopkins had a big influence on the locker room. Bill O'Brien was kind of concerned with that, sat him down and, and basically said to him, the last time I had a conversation with somebody like this for a situation like this, it was with Aaron Hernandez. Totally fucking offsides. Mm-hmm. Totally uh, not necessary to even bring that up. What does that have to do with the conversation you're having now? A, DeAndre Hopkins is not Aaron Hernandez. B, we don't know what the situation is, but why would you even compare a killer to your best player? So maybe Hopkins said, you know what, get me the hell out of here or I'm going to make your life a living hell. I, we don't know. But the whole thing just sounds so rotten. And Bill O'Brien, I've been skeptical of him since day one. If for any reason, just the cut of the guy's jib, like his uh, mannerisms on the sidelines are peculiar. Um, he's grumpy. He's ornery. When things go right, he doesn't smile too much. You don't see him really patting guys in the back. And just a really, really funny, funny character guy w- with no character, if that makes any sense. He's just he's a tough read. So that was a lot. To, uh, that's a lot to dissect there. But I, I, <laughs> it, it is a lopsided trade. I'm happy for Arizona. I'm happy for Larry Fitzgerald, who's my, one of my favorite players of all time. Not not on a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform, not in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. So happy for that franchise. Uh, another big name receiver. You know, it reminds me of Fitzgerald and Bolden when those when they were having success. So, well, it's good. It takes some pressure off of Fitz and and uh, lets him, you know, again grow old gracefully and still be able to be productive and uh, take some more attention away from him. Now, what are the Texans uh, doing? Well, the Texans, I know they took they signed uh, Cobb right after. Oh, Randall but, Cobb. Yeah, Randall Cobb. Yeah. Okay, he's no Hopkins. No. No. There's other things involved here, and if you have a disgruntled player, it doesn't matter what it is. The other thing, too, is that he is looking for the big money. So he's looking at 20-plus a season for the next whatever. And maybe they just don't have that money. They're paying, what, J.J. Watt $100 million for something else, too. and You know what I mean? Maybe it's just finances, and then if you add some drama into it, then it's, you know what, let's, let's part our ways. They got a running back back, but, you know, a guy who's injury-prone, they just take a shot on him, but they're, they – don't have to deal with the headache of renegotiating and and whatever. You know, the, the Bills getting digs. I know they gave up picks, but as our uh, resident Bills <clears throat> analyst pointed out, uh, Curtis talked about his the, the structure of his deal, and he's under $12 million for the next four years, which is very good for a guy who has a lot of potential. He's, you know, a, a, a bit of a... Um, I don't know, drama queen, I guess, or he's a character as well anyway. But if he's willing to be in Buffalo and he can gel fine and, and get some balls, he's going to get a good share of balls. So, um, yeah. you know, he's, he shouldn't have to yell at uh, Josh Allen as much as he did with um, uh, the Keenum. No. Uh, Case. No. Uh, Cousins. Cousins, thank you. You know, about throw me the damn ball then uh, I think they'll be fine. And Buffalo's got a pretty exciting team coming up too. I mean, they had an exciting year last year. I think they put a couple pieces together. Josh Allen gets a bit more comfortable back there. And I think Buffalo will be an exciting place to play. 
Um, hey, well, Buffalo, I mean, I, I didn't, we're not going to go through every team, but I did want to mention so far, Mario Addison, an edge rusher. Very, very good pickup. Vernon Butler, a defensive tackle. Quinton Jefferson, a defensive end. So they're going to bring the heat. Uh, Quinton Spain, very, very good offensive guard. And uh, under the un, sort of under the radar, it happened early before the free agent frenzy. They picked up Josh Norman uh, for one year, six mil. So you're kind of betting on the guy to have a renaissance. He's a character, but he's also very capable. So interesting pickup. Josh Norman. The corner? cornerback what? Redskins. Yeah, they picked him up early before the free agent frenzy happened. They uh, they right. snuck him in. Yeah. Hey, what the hell? you know, he's... You know, shown some life here and there. He's got a kicker name, though. But anyway, um, <laughs> they true. did lose Shaquille Barrett, which I think will be, you know, a, a fairly large hole to, to to fill. And he's with the box, too. So that just adds to their defense. But but I like Mario Addison playing that sort of dual role outside edge. Uh, or you could put him down in a three-point stand. Better so strategy, uh, a salary structure as well. So yeah uh, good on that okay so hopkins brady number one hopkins number two number three we differ a little bit number three the biggest one i have right now is that todd Gurley gets released by the rams uh, todd Gurley and clay <laughs> matthews get released but todd Gurley got released flat out released by the rams which i thought was uh fairly big like malcolm brown was good i don't know if he's enough to to warrant releasing Todd Gurley. I know Todd Gurley has had injuries. He's had some arthritis in his knees, I believe. Um, but he's also been the best player on the field more often than not. They paid him like he was the best running back. And then he, then he got hurt, you know? So that's to take a chance at your pants as a coach used to tell me, like, that's just the way it is, you know? That's uh, all right. I, uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, you lost me. We take a chance, your chance. But that's football. That's football contract structure. They pay you a lot of money, but if it's not guaranteed, then the rest it really doesn't matter because you can get cut next year. And Todd Gurley is ex- that prime example. They don't yeah. owe him anything that's not part of the guaranteed structure. So, um, does Todd Gurley get picked up by somebody? Guaranteed. Who well, would that sure. be though? Any idea? Well, Pittsburgh needs a running back, and that could save them a draft pick. They're they're known to uh, pick up a retread running back uh, in who's yet to be in his prime, even though he suffered injuries. D'Angelo Williams had a renaissance in it with Pittsburgh. I could see him going there. Uh, you know, uh, as in terms of a replacement for um, for Todd Gurley, there's a guy just across the road, uh, Melvin Gordon, who's looking for a home. Um, again, we mentioned him already, but I could see that's, that would be a good fit as well, uh, going to, uh, going to LA right across the road there. So we'll see what happens. They're moving into that big stadium. So both teams want to make a splash, but, uh, my third, my third pick was Philip Rivers. Speaking of LA, uh, you know, him going to the Colts, uh, to reunite with Frank Reich, who was his quarterback coach for a couple of years. And they had a lot of success, uh, it, that's an under the radar pickup it, is rivers. The, the man, the, the quarterback he was 12 years ago. Uh, no, but he's never been a guy to scramble. He's always been a guy to outsmart you. Uh, he's shifty, just shifty enough in the pocket to elude, you know, the pass rushers. But, um, if you bull rush him up the middle, he's toast. So you really got to have a strong interior line with, with Philip rivers. And they do in Indianapolis and you got to have, you know, comp, 
um, competent tackles, and they do. So it's a good fit. It's a great fit. Colts were a good fit for a quarterback. I mean, that was talk of where Brady would go. There's talk of um, Tannehill maybe going there. There's talk of, you know, anyway, it was a good destination for a quarterback. Uh, the Colts won with Brissett, but they never seemed to really um, give him that opportunity or really make him feel like he was going to be that starter for years to come because he was kind of thrown into it when luck, pull, luck pulled the shoot. Yeah, um, well, but, he got hurt too. Eh? He missed. He missed three games right in the middle of the middle of the year as he was developing some momentum. That really that really screwed him over. Yeah, yeah, it could be. If you yeah, if you're already trying to uh, establish your longevity and your uh, consistency on the field, if you have those injuries that keep you out, that kind of sucks too, and it loses some of the momentum. But I think the yeah. Colts are always a good fit for a quarterback somewhere. Uh, Rivers is a guy that is, you know, probably bottom three on my list of guys that uh, character guys in the NFL, I guess, for a point. Like guys I'd like to watch. And he just irks me nonstop. And I, uh, his throwing motion and whatever. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he does. He is going to the right. Yeah. To the right, their O line is great. Their their running is pretty, is very good. Their defense has come a long way. The Colts and the Box are both very good suitors for quarterbacks, and that just goes to show the um, experience that the Brady and Rivers have in terms of where they're trying to go. Because oh, yeah. you know they're not sitting at home just waiting for a team to call them. They're actively looking at what the best situation is for them, and that's why you know they've played so long. And, anyway, and I like I like the fit because. You know, he's a smart quarterback. That's a good team that was on the cusp last year of making the playoffs. And the rest of the teams in that division got worse. You know, I don't I don't see how I mean, Tennessee, it might be the asterisks because, you know, they they're bringing back most of the same guys, but they lost Conklin off the offensive line. They're retaining most of the offensive weapons. But, you know, your offensive line is the key. And Conklin was a big piece of that line. You know, I, I don't think the Texans got better in this trade. You know, and the other team in that division is god awful, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everyone, everyone's bailing. I mean, they just franchise tag. I can't pronounce his name, but they franchise tag their defensive end, and yeah. uh, he Make said, "Yeah, franchise." I mean, that's fine. I'm out of here next year. Like, so guys are just the mass exodus from Jacksonville. So, you know, this is a this is a real window of opportunity for for Indianapolis to say to take over the division and to dominate for a couple of years while they have Rivers. Uh, I'd say his last couple of years in his career. I think he only signed for one year, twenty five, didn't he? He did. So if he plays well, it's you know they re-sign him for another year, or they you know they they, they do like what uh, what other teams have done. They you know draft and and groom. So hey, it's a win. It's win win. All right. So Rivers was that one. I already had Gurley number four. You had uh, Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell. I mean, so much success in Arizona. And then he went on to Jacksonville. And, you know, Jacksonville was really a quarter away from making it to the Super Bowl. And then Tom Brady pulled the old uh, on the goat and took over that fourth quarter against Jacksonville two years ago or three years ago. And then, obviously, uh, Jacksonville had a hard year last year with Gardner Minshew and all the all the injuries they saw. Effort, but Calais Campbell is a disruptor, and I the Calais Campbell for me, the only guy that comes to mind when I when uh, I think of Calais Campbell is Charles Haley, um, you know, uh, Hall of Fame defensive end for San Francisco and for the Dallas Cowboys, and won Super Bowls in both with both teams. 
the Clay Campbell is a total disruptor. He's a man among boys. He's strong. He gets to the quarterback. He's he's had ten sacks for I mean, what feels like twenty consecutive years. The guy can get to the quarterback, and that's a perfect fit in Baltimore. Perfect. They're defensive minded. They get to the quarterback. They're mean. They're nasty. I mean, that's a perfect fit. And I, you know, for me, as a Steeler fan, I'm like, man. That is a perfect guy for Pittsburgh. You know, you just lost Javon Hargrave to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now you're missing a, a nose tackle. You shift to it over to the nose tackle, and you and you have a, a veteran guy, and now you can draft. I mean, a big, big pickup for a team that knows how to get the last little bit out of guys. Eric Weddle, Anquan Bolden, Stephen A. Smith, Stephen no, just Stephen <laughs> no, Smith. Yeah, <laughs> not Stephen A. Smith. God no. Uh, Willis McGahee. You know, quarterbacks. A couple of quarterbacks. Their their last go around. Randall Cunningham. I remember. I'm now I'm dating myself here. But they know how to squeeze every little bit of uh, whatever's Nilfer. left in a guy's career. You know. Yeah. He's a big boy too. I uh, number He's four. I had uh, Jack Conklin. I think his signing with the Browns was huge for them. Um, yeah. They needed to bolster mm-hmm. offensive line and and give. Whoever is going to be playing quarterback, whether it's um, uh, the current Baker. guy, Baker Mayfield, or now the newly signed Casey Keenan, there's a, a, a very qualified backup now to step in when need be. So hopefully that means there's a little bit of a shorter lease on Mayfield um, and there's more competition within there. And I think that uh, you know that's either going to make him play better and, and stay in there or we'll see Keenum in there. Uh, fairly quickly. Uh, but anyway, an offensive line to give the quarterback some time because they also signed uh, Austin Hooper uh, with the Browns as well, being now the highest paid tight end in the league, which is uh, interesting to say the least. But uh, they got some weapons that can be used hey. if they have time to get the balls to them. So Conklin was my number four. And then number five, we both have uh, Buckner as being number five. Uh, so he got signed by the Indianapolis Colts uh, after being a very, very disruptive defensive end for the 49ers last year. Uh, fairly big contract, too. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, uh, yeah. First-round pick, right? Monster deal. Oh, uh, I do have it in front of me. Yeah, first-round pick, the 13th overall pick. So he was traded from the Niners to the Colts for that pick, and he's getting – or he's going to have a deal that is restructured, and the Colts had said that they will restructure it, and he's looking for about 21 a season. Interesting. Uh, you know, for me, it's a, for me, it's if both teams win now. Uh, I I think Indianapolis wins, but both teams will ultimately win this because of the you know the first round pick. Now the Colts have their pick plus San Francisco's pick. Uh, you know, I think both teams win eventually, but. As of this year, I think the Colts, hands down, win. He's a, he's a disruptor. He's a great defensive end. So um, good pickup for them. Well, there's still, you know, we talk about free agents that are still out there. Uh, you know, obviously Todd Gurley, but uh, Clowney, Jadavian Clowney is still out there. He's looking for, you know, probably market value is still around 20. But he's is he a guy that the 49ers can bring in and take uh, Buckner's spot now? So now you got a pick from the Colts. You have a defensive end that... Clowney is right up there in terms of disruptors, and he's a guy that's in your division that caused havoc last time you guys played. Take him from <laughs> Seattle, or not take him. He's a free agent now, but you sign him with the, in the division. Uh, may be a good fit for him if he doesn't go back to Seattle. Um, obviously, other noticeable, notable free agents that are left, James Winston, 
uh, Melvin Gordon, uh, Brashard Perriman, who I really liked last year, and there's rumors that he might go back to Tampa, and that may be him asking to go back to Tampa to play with Brady and take a pay cut. Uh, Robbie Anderson is another guy who, you know, was in a a good speedy receiver. I think they're leaning towards Miami for him. Melvin Gordon, they talk about maybe Houston being a good spot for him. And then there's Jason Peters. He's an old vet. He's 38 years old, uh, tackle for the Eagles. But he's on the market, so you know there was rumor that maybe the Browns would pick up another tackle. Uh, I don't know what his he's his ask is around eight million a season. Uh, he had a little bit of injuries last year, but I mean, if this guy's healthy, he can. He's like an Andrew Whitworth, you know, who just signed back with the Rams at thirty-eight, and these guys still have a lot of a lot of life left in them. Other than that. Um, let me throw a quick one at you. I, I forgot this one. I, this one came across my board last night. Um, Jarrell Casey, defensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans, assigned with the Broncos, and uh, they just they just know how to find guys. That defense is always top five. That's a big pickup, and that's a big loss for Tennessee. Uh, he w- he manned the middle. You know, uh, surprised that um, traded for a seventh. It's gotta yeah, be. That can't be right. That's traded for a seventh round pick. Jarrell Casey's an all pro defensive lineman. Yeah, that's giving it away. Wow. So anyway, great pickup by Denver. John Elway, for whatever reason, knows how to get defensive guys for a quarterback. He just knows how to bring guys in. Um, wow. AJ Boyd, they picked him from the picked him up from Jacksonville in a trade. So you know he's replaced. They just lost Chris Harris. So uh, I like what Denver's doing. And you just mentioned just before we got on air, um, Joe Flacco released outright he failed his physical no i didn't mention that i didn't hear that yeah joe Fla- i mean not that he was gonna play i think they were gonna they're they're all in with uh that kid the kid lock but uh yeah we knew um, that before but that just but he's he, out there now so good arms like it, well flacco if he gets back in shape flacco you know dalton's gonna be looking for a new spot brissette will be looking for a new spot um who else Look, i winston, can see there's still i can I can see Brissett going to Pittsburgh uh, and backing up. But clearly, Ben needs a backup. It didn't. That that uh, experiment did not work, and they were still close to making the playoffs. Imagine with some quarterback play, what that team can do. So, you know, I like Brissett as a backup in Pittsburgh. I like Winston. Believe it or not, I like Winston as a backup. Um, yeah, like he's Andy a backup. Dalton. He's just he, like uh, Fitzgerald. Uh, no, Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic. Where, yeah. you know, you come out, the pressure's not on you. You're just a gunslinger because you're usually coming back from 21 points. That's what yeah. he's good at. And if you get away with, you know, a few touchdowns over interceptions, then great. That's where Winston is. So you say, oh, you know, fine. Ben's out. We're down three touchdowns. Winston, go in there. Start lighting it up. And I think he I, would do very well at that. I like Andy Dalton as a backup, especially in Pittsburgh. Only, And, again, I'm not trying to – this isn't a Pittsburgh podcast, but he knows the division. So, you know, he knows the division well, and he has had a lot of success against the Ravens, who appear to be really, I mean, I'll put the, I'll throw the Browns in there as, com, com, you know, competition, but really it's the Ravens division. Um, I haven't, the Cleveland Browns will find a way to fuck it up. Trust me. You know, they made up Dave. Yeah, Conklin's nice, but they will find a way to screw it up. And they still have Odell Beckham and Landry. I just, that whole thing is combustible. So, yeah. We'll see. I'm just going to go over who the, the biggest spenders are in the free agency because I have that out here, but it's obviously not... Brady hasn't signed an actual deal yet, right? 
because it has Not the Bucks, but it's, it's in principle. So yeah, because it has the Bucks as the least team. They've only spent two point three million dollars, but we know that that's thirty million a season plus whatever sure. coming from uh, Brady. But we right now with the Dolphins at two hundred thirty-five, the Lions for ten players, the Lions seven players, one hundred thirty, and then the Browns one hundred five for four players. Those are the top three, and uh, surprisingly enough, the cornerbacks are the biggest group for money-wise. There's 11 corners that were signed. That's for $290 million there than defensive well, tackles and inside linebackers. Well, of course. The NFL now is like you're you're constantly in a two-lineman, two-linebacker, eight defensive line, defensive end, or uh, sorry, secondary set. You're constantly in that now with the way the NFL is. Five receivers, four receivers. Everything is pass, pass, pass. So, you know, you, and get the ball out as quick as you can. Of course, they're going to spend on secondary guys. Yeah, well, but it's, it's not. There's uh, eight guys. There's eight guys you got to pay back there. So you pay one. Uh, Chris uh, Byron Jones's salary of uh, uh, what the hell is he? 118 million or something like that. Crazy. No, 80, uh, 108. That's ten hills. Uh, Byron Jones, 82 million over whatever it is, four years. Uh, five years, five years, eighty-two and a half. Well, you say okay, yeah. So that's one side of it. You got four other guys to to pay. Anyway, yada yada. That's the that was the biggest one based on this stat. Again, it's not one hundred percent accurate because Brady hasn't signed his deal yet. So there's obviously a few others that have not been signed or disclosed at this point. So those numbers will change. Even Mariota and. And those kind of things. Anyway, it is interesting. Uh, uh, I do want to ask you one more one more thing about Miami. I know we're to, uh, we spent a lot of time on Miami, both positive and negative. But I'm looking at the Dolphins and you know uh, the rebuild, right? They've been they've traded everybody last year for for what to rebuild, right? All the receivers gone. Uh, their best uh, Laramie Tunsil gone. Everybody Exodus because they want to rebuild and they stockpiled how many draft picks? A ton of draft picks. Yeah. Yet now here they are now they go out and pick up and again retreads. I don't know, but guys who've had like a little bit of success. Jordan Howard two years ten mil it's peanuts, but like Jordan Howard, uh, Eric Flowers who's had trouble at the I think he's a he's a tackle if I'm not mistaken. He's had trouble staying upright. Um, you know Byron Jones fifty four million in guaranteed money. Like he's had, he had three interceptions in three years. What, like, what are they? I don't understand. I don't understand. You're trying to rebuild and you've gone ahead. The only person I liked that they picked up was Kyle Van Noy from the, uh, from the new England Patriots. If for any reason, just cause now he doesn't play for new England anymore, but you know, four years, 50 mil 30 guaranteed. That's reasonable for a guy who was very, very good actually for new England. So, but when you're trying to rebuild, why would you go and dish out all this kind of money before you even drafted anybody? Yeah, well, you know, they're going to draft some real studs that come out, and it's not, it's not going to be the cap hit that normally is because they're all going to come in with rookie deals, right? So this are things they're yeah. going to have to worry about later. And these guys, you know, hopefully they they have a long term plan. But uh, would hey. you? Does this indicate to you a long term plan? What like, you know, like Jordan Howard and Shaq Shaq Lawson, good pickup, I guess. But like, what are we talking about here? It's big money they spent for guys that they could get to draft. Yeah, it's some, you know, maybe some guys that are, you know, veteran leadership to a point, whether they're good or bad, if they understand and can bring guys up. So it's not like a ton, a ton of cash. So I don't know. Let's, uh, hey, they can't do any they worse. They can't do any worse. <laughs>
That is for sure. That is for sure. All right. So that is it for our first uh, self-isolation podcast. And we're going out to... uh, Do you know this song? I do. I thought it was fitting. Young teacher... Social <laughs> Was this practicing social distance? I like this Don't get so close to me Yeah, don't stand so close to me by the police Right Alright, we're going out to this, people We're going to look for feedback We're going to put some stuff up on our uh, Facebook page Follow us Here's your feedback and we'll talk to you guys Episode 50 And don't stand so damn close to me <laughs> <laughs>